if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's guest again on Horse Chats is Kerry Thomas. Now, Kerry's been with us before. He's from THT Bloodstock. We talk a lot more about her dynamics. I'm going to let Kerry talk to you a little bit more, but if you haven't listened to Kerry before, go back, listen to a couple of podcasts that he's already done. Go to horsechats.com and search for Kerry. But before I even introduce you to Kerry, I'm going to have a quick talk to you about International Horse College. If you want to work in the horse industry and not sure where to start, then have a chat to the friendly team at International Horse College. With a wide variety of horse courses from the complete beginner through to the qualified professionals and students in over 20 countries, we'll be able to consider your individual requirements and guide you in the right direction. Simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com now and start the conversation. Registered training organisation number 31352. Now, Kerry, I sort of introduced, just started to introduce you, started to talk about herd dynamics, <laughs> and I know that you talk, you know, we talk about mental and emotional capabilities of the horse. Yes. It's equine profiling, but introducing a little bit more about herd dynamics as well. So how would you explain it if I'm going to introduce you? Are you an equine athletic I always classify, <laughs> yeah, I always, it, it kind of gets confusing, but for me, I've always classified myself and always considered myself a, a, a researcher at heart. Okay. Um, so I, I always, you know, we, we have THC Bloodstock, of course, is a, sure. a bloodstock company. Yeah. We handle all different facets of the business and, and, all, and many different disciplines, like not just flat racing, but, yes. you know, the herd dynamics are something I have studied for many, many years and, yes. and still continue to study because it's a fascinating part of the horse, you know, just in general. And then its applications to athletics is, um, is very profound. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the big business of standardized horse breeding in the equine athlete pool. Yes. Yes. And, and I, you know, I, I thought this would be an interesting subject because uh, we are here currently, of course, in the States are pulling out our babies now. Mm-hmm. And we we are currently involved in quite a bit of evaluations of broodmares and what I call our behavioral genetic breeding program, and you know the the standard practices of uh, the breeding industry are certainly something that we are or, or participate in, of course. But we try to add our and we do add our little slant of extra information because it's, it's so essential. They the you know, just the pedigree and the physical is uh, just really just one part of that. Okay, so they're standard elements, aren't they? You know, physical yeah, and pedigree yeah. information. Yeah. And they, they're essential, yeah. of course. Tell us a bit more about what else we need. You know, if we're comparing what you're able to do at THT Bloodstock to the standard. Well, you know, when I, when I first started to look at this and Pete and I were getting involved more and more with uh, people getting asking us questions about breeding and, and about their broodmares and about the, about the stallions and things like that. And I looked at the picture and I thought, you know, everyone is looking at, and, and I, I granted, it's very important information, but they are doing these matings. They have all these mating programs and all this information that is based on the physical course. And, mm. and that's good information. And it's very useful. 
uh, information and very much part of the puzzle. But I, I looked at it and I said, well, you know, in my opinion, there's a huge element that's that's missing in this in the standard practices. And for me, you know, that was the application of not just what the horse is, but who the horse is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that would be, of course, that the herd dynamics slash what I dubbed the not just the physical genetics, but the the behavioral genetics. Yep, yep, yep. And if we compare that to a human athlete, you could have a you know world champion mother and father in any sport, which would mean that physically you should be able to do the sport, but it's all about the the mental and emotional capability of the person to make them succeed. So it only, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have a funny little anecdote about, uh, that is, is involved with that. You know, my mm. brother, I'm the youngest of uh, three boys yep. in the family, and yep. my, my brother Kevin here in the States played professional baseball. Mm-hmm. And so people say to me when we're talking about breeding and, and, and family lineage, you know, and they say, oh, well, so-and-so is – a full brother to so-and-so. And I said, yeah, I said, I have a full brother who played professional baseball and I didn't. <laughs> yes. But did you ever want <laughs> yeah. to? Did you ever want I, to? You know, I, I, I did. I did. I, I, you know, I loved, of course I love all sports, but I loved baseball because I was raised in a, in a baseball yep. family. Okay. My father was, you know, had the chance to play professional baseball. And then my brother Kevin played professional baseball with the Atlanta Braves over here. And, and so when I was a young boy and all through high school, I was around professional athletes, and that also kind of I was I, I never had the physical talent to get to that level, but I, I was privy to be around what it what it took psychologically for yep. these athletes. Yep, yep. At the level, and that kind of set me. You know, those lessons early in life kind of set the course of, of my future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think what you're saying, if the horse athlete was simply a machine, considered you know physical genetics, pedigree. That'd be all you need to manufacture that elite prospect, but there's the third power that's behavioral genetics. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what these are, you know, Dennis, the behavioral genetics, in just in a nutshell, are the, the characteristics, you know, the tendencies, these traits that really are the horse's psychology, you know, all, all mm-hmm. these characters yes. and, and the yes. tendencies under stress and things of this nature, you know, this is the operating system that runs the physical machine. Yep. Yep, yep. Okay, so if you talk about behavioural genetics, they're the key to optimising physical talent and ability. So we're evaluating the traits and tendencies. How underappreciated are they in big business breeding programs? I, I think they're far too underappreciated. You know, okay. uh, I, I just think it's, for, for me, you know, mental efficiency, mental efficiency supersedes and, and, and is a paramount to physical efficiency and physical output and, and you know and in, in thoroughbred racing of course it's live cover yep. uh so you do have a chance to really evaluate both of the horses in, in, in a couple of different ways and you, you should do it all the ways possible but in the, in the artificial world where you can just you know breed from across the pond and the horses never see each other you know you're just going by really just again using the physical and the mental um just in all these areas it's just so to me you know, these are not machines. You know, with I always say, you know, with the mm. horse, you're getting you're getting the car and the driver. We're not manufacturing equipment. Yes. You yes. know, we're not we're not manufacturing equipment. We are we are producing emotionally driven athletes, and this emotional aspect has to be 
uh, included because whether whether we include it or not, it is included. You know, it's part of the package. Yep. So we it's either along for the ride as collateral, as random collateral, or we pay attention to it and and put as much focus on that area. Let's face it, breeding is not cheap. Raising a horse is not cheap. Mm. Um, and, and to and to not invest the time and the money and the effort into getting all of the information that's possible to me is just a an underutilized uh, aspect. Yep. Yep. Okay. So so thinking that your behavioural genetic breeding programs, a unique blend then of information. It's in yeah, and it's yeah. really rooted in that herd dynamic profile. I suppose it's like assembling puzzle pieces, isn't it? It, it is, you know, and I want I, I like to point out too it, it, part of that puzzle piece that it, it, these ingredients, you know, we get we get pretty caught up in results, you know, what particularly with uh, racehorses and, and the stallions and what they've done on the racetrack, and a lot of times, you know, some not a lot of times, but sometimes that the mares, the brood mares have never raced or performed in their in their athletic you know discipline. Okay, um, so you don't have that to go by, but when it comes to evaluating. The, the horse, you, you got to evaluate the pure horse. You got to remember that whatever was used to get those results, uh, whatever training tricks, God forbid, drugs, uh, blinkers, shadow rolls, whatever the case may be, whatever was used and utilized to get the results that you see on the paper, you know, those things aren't going to be in the breeding shed with the horse. You're not taking the breeding shed with blinkers on or with a, a, a shadow roll on or with mm, a cotton in mm, Yep. You have to yep. strip everything down and understand and evaluate the pure horse because that's what you're getting. All right. Just something you said, you know, some of the broodmares haven't raced. So if you're going through that data collection process for mares, you know, one mare or broodmare bands, mm-hmm. can you get yeah. the information by evaluating both the mare and the foal? How does that work? Yeah, yeah. We like, you know, where possible, like currently right now, you know, we've had a couple of different opportunities to go evaluate uh, the broodmare and the foal on mm-hmm. the ground, uh, and you get some information. And some, some horses have a lengthy race record to go from. Some horses have one race to go from. Some have yep. no races to go from. Yep. And so in order to gain as much information about the mare as possible, you know, evaluating the horse individually and then evaluating the horse at the, at the interaction with the foal, uh, getting cues and clues from full, depending mm-hmm. how old they are, you can get uh, some inter- interesting information. And the mayor will tell you a lot about herself by the way she mothers. You know, her, okay. her, her, natural, yep. Yep. her natural instincts, because here's the thing, she's the early teacher. And mm. what is she impart positively, negatively, or neutrally to her baby? And that is, is collateral information that tells you about the behavioral genetic sequence of the mare. And we take that information. Now, again, if we have races to go from or performances to, to evaluate, we can also add that you know, evaluation information to the process. Yeah. But it's a really cool thing to evaluate the interaction between mother and foal yes. in just an everyday environment because it just tells you so much of, of about what is happening between there, and it tells you a lot about um, the broodmare, and that helps you with, hey, is this is this a broodmare? You know, why hasn't she been successful? You know, mm-hmm. she hasn't produced anything. She's been given some good stallions. She hasn't like produced anything. Um, well, if we're identifying different things that she's giving to the foal, it tells you what is a predominant trait 
and it may or, it may or may not be productive for the future of the fool as an athlete. So it's okay. very important. Okay. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now, when it comes to stallions, what do you do? Is there, do you go and inspect them in person or is there um, another way? Yeah, well, we, now here in stallions, especially here, you know, with, with thoroughbreds, um, yeah. we have an opportunity to see uh, Evaluate performances, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. on the racetrack and consider all of the aspects of that, how it was done. You know, I'm always more interested in more than just the result of how of what was done. I want to know how it was done mm -hmm. because how it was done is going to translate. That, that's what you're taking. You're taking how to the breeding shed, not what. Okay. And so that's very, it's very important to remember that, you know, and, and what we do with stallions is that we, we like to collect, you know, obviously you, you go in person and we, and we get all the data there and we're collecting all the data from the, from the races and wherever possible, we're, we'd like to see that if they have progeny performing or racing, we'd like to try to study that as well. And we begin to build a stallion database and we'll go to a farm that has, you know, however, however many number of stallions yep. and we will evaluate all those horses and we'll begin to create a lengthy stallion database of behavioral genetic sequences and, and herd dynamic traits. And then, that, then we have that information on hand that we can go and evaluate broodmares and we're able to, you know, cross compare that information. Okay. Okay. But the study of progeny is, is really uh, a, a valuable insight to what prevailing traits are actually manifesting, you know, for which, which ones are translating forward and which ones aren't. Okay, so which ones are then? If we're studying the progeny, and, um, you know, surely that's important, but identifying those prevailing traits, what are the traits we're identifying? The, the traits that we're looking for, of course, is, is how the horse is managing stress yep. and, and what their tendencies are under stress. Because we have to look for, you know, it, it really depends on the goal. Um, for, obviously, a racehorse, we want, we want to look for what traits are within the competitive edge and how are they being manifested? How are they being articulated? How are they being utilized? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so are these are these traits similar to what the Stein was doing himself? Yes. Or, 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 or if they are random, this is key information because if a stallion has, let's just say random number here, like six horses racing, mm -hmm. and out of those six horses, uh, there's a lot of random inconsistencies to these prevailing traits. What that tells us is that, well, he hasn't bred, the, you know, the, these six horses probably aren't from the same mare. Mm -hmm. So what it tells you is, is that the mare 
is influencing a little bit more than the stallion than the stallion is influencing when it comes to handing down traits. Okay. When you have consistent behavioral traits and consistent traits under a competitive edge and the stress that are very similar or aligned with the stallion, now you know, and, and, and the continuity and consistency is there. Now you know that he is mentally stamping because just, you know, we always hear about a stallion stamping his progeny, you know, and, and the common thought of that is, hey, this is, this is a, it's a physical stamp. You know, you've got the same forelock, got the same hip, whatever. Well, they also stamp from a behavioral standpoint as well. And that's actually the most profound um, stamping that they can do, the most in- influential part of that. Okay, okay. So you, you go out and you collect all the character trait data. I'm just thinking about blending it. You know, you get the, the strengths of the mares, the strength of the stallion. Tell me a bit more how that works out. Yeah, it, 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 this is where it, it's really fun. And this is where you kind of be, this is where you really are uh, uh, taking the puzzle pieces from the stallion yep. and the puzzle pieces from the mare. And, you know, obviously, horses are going to have individually, they're going to have strengths, they're going to have weaknesses, you know. So just like you're going to look at a physical horse and say, well, listen, we want to make sure we get a, a different hip. We want to make sure we have uh, better knees or mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't go out there and breed uh, a knock-kneed horse with a knock-kneed horse and expect to get straight straight knees, you know? Yes, I can. Uh, yeah. Or sickle-hawk horse with a sickle-hawk horse and hope to get a horse that doesn't have sickle-hawks. Yeah. So you, you want to kind of, you want to offset these strengths and weaknesses physically. You also do the same thing psychologically. And from a sensory aspect, you want to look at what is useful, good tendencies, and what are the strengths and weaknesses and how are they expressed and compare that with the stallion. So to me, you know, what we often do is folks will have an idea of kind of the pedigree line and the body type that they want in a stallion mm-hmm. for their mare. And if they give us, hey, there's there's three possible stallions at this farm, you know, and I have a breeding right to, to one of them, but I'm not going to tell you who, you know, basically – Evaluate those horses and see where the where my mare fits best because from a pedigree standpoint, they all uh, are, are fine with me. You know, yep. they, they kind of yep. nick okay, whatever whatever system people like to use. But again, that's just the physical part of the manufacturing that without the right operating system does not work. So matching, you know, you want to offset a weakness with a strength. Obviously, the same thing you do with physical. It's kind of it's, it's the same philosophy. But you're just looking at it through the lens of psychology, uh, through the lens of how do we tweak the operating systems of both of these horses, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and what, what would be ideal, what's missing in the stallion, and what's what does the mare have, and vice versa, and how can we, you know, match that up, and taking all that information and applying that to the, the physical information that you have, it really helps you narrow it down. I mean, again, it's, there's no... Uh, guarantees at, at all. But if you think about it, I always tell people, well, you know, breeding would be easy if all you had to do was breed an elite awesome pedigree with an elite awesome pedigree, you know? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. You, you then if, if you're breeding, if you're doing it that way, then obviously you should have an awesome progeny. Mm. But there, there's a little thing called behavioral characteristics that actually can and screw that up <laughs> pretty, okay. pretty big. Okay, okay. You're introducing the behavioral genetics into the breeding program 
And more recently, you've got some extra attention from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Tell us yeah. a bit about that. Yeah. I was very, I was very surprised. I, I had um, I actually had gotten back from uh, a farm visit recently, and yep. I, I, a while back I had sent some information off, uh, and I had actually forgot about it. I was just introducing some of these new new things that we had sure. I had been researching that I had been working on for, for the last several years, and I didn't really think much of it. And lo and behold, I, I got a response, a very flattering response from from the. Uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture here in the States, and um, they were sending our work over to the Agricultural Research Service yeah. for continuation and uh, considering our work as uh, potentially industry influencing mm-hmm. and may have an opportunity to continue to work on some uh, new research through that avenue as well and, uh, and the uh, behavioral genetics in, in the breeding. So I'm pretty excited by that. I'm not sure where it will lead, but it was a nice uh, uh, un- unexpected little caveat to the to the whole program. Absolutely, yeah. Look, I think whenever anyone introduces something that's a bit different, there's always I think we go through that. Oh, that's a load of rubbish. That's a lot of wishwash. And then you start to influence a few people and a few more people and a few more people. And you know, now you've got sort of the U.S. Department of Agriculture on board. It, it seems like this is going to be a lot more. Lot more recognised, certain first of all within the states and then worldwide. I yeah. think that's that's really good news for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of how it's been going. I mean, mm. the, the whole behavioural genetic part, the whole breeding part, is something that you know. When Pete and I years ago, we were strictly evaluating you know, yearlings at sale and, and horses that were competing. You know, I kept saying to Pete, you know, all these things that we were identifying in, mm. in the performances, all these strengths, all these weaknesses, I said, listen, you know, the industry, they're, they're, they're doing all these things with these horses, but if you want to make the horse industry better, you, you got you to gotta start better. You, yes. you got you to gotta yes. add more information to the, the beginning of the, the stream and not the end of the stream. Mm. Mm. And if you go upstream far enough, it, it, is, a, it is really a breeding industry that is uh, – by happenstance, sometimes you get a chance to get a racehorse. And, and really, um, I, I think, this is my own personal opinion, but I think some of the issues with horse racing in general is, yep. um, you know, really, it, it's like, it, it's, it's a breeding industry before it's a racing industry. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's so many horses being bred <clears throat> um, that are kind of being bred for models. You know, they're, they're kind of runway models and they're really okay. not being bred for i shouldn't say not i mean the goal of course is to have an awesome racehorse yes but, you know my opinion is number one goal though is, is to sell the horse for a high price mm-hmm. and then you cash out and you move on to the next you know and then the guy and then the next person has to deal with whatever's left over well, you know, in that yeah. horse. and so yep. you know I, I think if we in my opinion by applying the psychological part to all this, of that part of the athlete, you're going to give yourself a, a better opportunity, a better chance to actually get a horse that's not just bred to look good, but a horse that's bred for competitive edge mm-hmm. uh, and sensory efficiency and mental capacity uh, that can actually fulfill the goals for which you're purchasing and you're spending all this money on this dream. Uh, and more often than not, it goes down the tubes. Yep, yep, okay. Yep, yep. I'm just thinking, because you, you said years ago, when was your first book written? 2012, was it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. how many years ago did you actually start this? Well, I have had been researching horses since 
gosh, you know, really since I got out of high school. Okay. Um, in, in some manner. Tell of, us a year, some, though, because we all think you're a spring chicken, you know. <laughs> I'm 51 years old, so I, I had been. Uh, I, I officially started THC Bloodstock uh, in, in official name yep. in 2008. Okay. In 2008. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, and I really jumped off. Uh, I kind of jumped off the bridge to working with horses full time in, in 2005, um, and, and uh, but had spent the better part of, of you know 18 years focusing on the study of, of predator-prey interaction and really all different types of animals. And, and yes. that, that, whole, that whole aspect of, of the environment and, you know, whether it would be, you know, deer or antelope or elk or horses or mountain lions, or that, that, that relationship always fascinated me. And I always uh, was interested in, in and I studied that intently. Yeah. Okay. Now, if people would like to get a copy of that book, The Secret to Motivating, equine athletes what's the best way to do that Kerry? they they, they, can, they can get the link on the website but they can they can contact excuse me amazon yep yeah they can they can get that and and also as far as the, the behavioral genetic breeding because you know the book the book came out in 2012 so obviously we're, we're considering writing a, a part two to that because you're always learning and advancing your research and you're you're building off of the the shoulders of that work yep um which is always, you know, something that you do as you continue to press the envelope forward. Yes, yes. Uh, so for uh, recent information and, and recent articles, I have a, a whole uh, plethora of uh, research blogs on our, on our website. There's mm-hmm. one, and I also write a, a column for uh, a website past the wire called Carrie's Corner Column. And I'm yes. actually working on a new piece right now that should be out later next week uh, for that as well. Um I do have a research paper written about this called uh, Behavioral Genetic Breeding. Yep. And that's on Passfire, Carrie's column, or, or also on the uh, thtbloodstock.com website blog. Okay. You yep. can sift through and find that. All right, then. So if people do want to contact Carrie, I think the best way, you can go to horsechats.com, search for Carrie, search for Thomas, or search for Carrie Thomas, and you'll find on each of his um, each of his chats with us at the bottom of the page are all these contact details, but you can also go to THT Bloodstock and you'll find a way to contact. You've got all con- Kerry's contact details there and you can contact them through the website. So I think a very interesting subject, Kerry. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time and um, certainly appreciate it and very excited that the US Department of Agriculture is now taking, starting to take a little bit of notice of, uh, of your work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting for us too. Once we get all, all through this chaos that we're all, the whole yes. globe is dealing with, Absolutely. and everybody, everyone well, and just use common sense and keep yourself safe. Uh, I'll be, I, I'm already pending a response, but I figure there's there's no rush for it uh, uh, until yeah. everything gets calmed down next month yeah. or so. so Absolutely. Um, yeah. I should have more information going forward of what we're going to be doing with them. Um, not, but I'm excited to to facilitate that and continue to push that on the road because to have a chance to influence the to influence the industry in a positive manner is something that I would be very proud of. Brilliant. All right, Kerry, great to talk to you and um, hopefully we'll talk very soon. Okay, thank you very much for having me. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.